Hello and welcome to episode 319 of the Filmmakers Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk filmmaking from indie film to studio film, documentaries and animation and everything in between. How to get them made, how to make them and how to try not to royally F them up. In a very, very humble opinion. Welcome to the Filmmakers Podcast. If you're a regular listener, thank you so much if it's your first time. Welcome. What have you been doing? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that as well. I'm Giles Alderson. I'm Don Lenoir. We are both filmmakers. We're writers, directors, producers. We go out there, we're making the films, we get stuff made. And we do this because we want to help you go make your films too. So I hope you get something out of this. So at the moment, we are in... Soho Hotel. Soho Hotel, where they have a gorgeous screening room. And at the moment, we're in their screening room. Yep. And we ordered some green tea and a wonderful man called Ross. Thank you, Ross. Just brought in some tea for myself and Dom. Lovely chinaware. Thank you very much. Pour you guys any? Yeah, pour it. (laughs) (laughs) Do people often order green tea like myself and Dom? I'd say so, yeah. Especially fresh mint tea. It's the one to go for. This is what, yeah, we we ordered fresh mint. Not green tea, never green tea. Ah, sorry. Fresh mint. Fresh mint. Thank you. I'm going to grab some brown sugar because, you know, I'm trying to be healthy. One sec. Okay, there we go. What a treat. What a treat. That's a ramekin of honey there. A ramekin of honey? Yeah. I wonder if there's any ramifications of it. it. Ah. (laughs) It's a hard one. It's a bit of a tongue twister. Anyway, so, yeah, probably one of the biggest filmmakers of the last 50 years isn't on the podcast but <laughs> yeah no no he is <laughs> it's the kind of movies that probably a lot of us grew up on and when we think of hollywood we think of him who is it giles that we have got as our guest he's built up for you that this might be steven spielberg it's not him <laughs> <laughs> but as you can tell by the title of this it's not this is steven spielberg's producer right hand woman it's his right hand woman person who goes out there and helps him makes his films and gets them done and really works with him it's incredible she's worked with him as an assistant for a very long time for a very long time over 20 years she started working on the film the last days with him as an assistant she then continued to work as steven spielberg's assistant on ai artificial intelligence minority report catch me if you can the terminal war of the worlds memoirs of a geisha munich flags of our fathers true grit Super 8, Transformers, Dark of the Moon, Cowboys and Aliens, Real Steel, The Adventures of Tintin, Lincoln, and Transformers, Age of Extinction. Obviously, during that time, she got to know Stephen very well, and she was working her way up, and she became associate producer on Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, and... Warhorse, and then became co-producer on Lincoln before moving on to being producer on Bridge of Spies, which got her an Oscar nomination. Not bad. Uh, she's carried on that trend moving forward as an exec producer on the BFG, the Trial of the Chicago 7, and the upcoming The Colour Purple. And in the meantime, she's also produced, all for Steven Spielberg, The Post, Ready Player One, West Side Story, and the movie we're here to talk about today, The Fablemans, as well as producing Bradley Cooper's upcoming, directed and starring, Maestro. This, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, is the fantastic Christy Makosko Krieger. She is fantastic. She was so nice to spend time with us while they were in London. Because Christy Makosko Krieger has produced The Fableman, Steven Spielberg's latest masterpiece. And like the famed retail store, she is an emporium of knowledge. She really is. Uh, that was a reference to Costco there. Other supermarkets are available. Um, <laughs> Gonna 
seat. He went everywhere in this screening room. They never allow you back in. Oh. That's a good one. <laughs> it's fun um, and games on our podcast. It always is fun and games. Um, what did we talk about with her, Dom? We talked about how they made a film that feels wildly expansive all in the same state. Which is, which is quite incredible considering The Fablemans is such an expansive story. It's, it's set in so many locations. It, it feels like it's set right across America. We also talk about what it's like to work with Stephen. What's his process like? And what it's like to be a producer. She goes into detail about what that feels like. She also talks about projecting offers to work for Steven Spielberg three times. Yep. And for all our fantastic aspiring filmmakers out there, how you can go from being an assistant to being an Oscar nominated producer we think she'll be Oscar nominated for the Fablemans as well Mm. the film is out this Friday the 27th of January in cinemas in the UK I believe you can go find it in previews all across the country right now anyway so do go watch this quite frankly brilliant movie if you didn't know anything about it how would you describe it Dom Lenoir I mean, it's, it's really, it's a coming-of-age film about a young filmmaker. So any filmmaker that started off with a handy cam, um, adventures, wild imagination, it, it, it covers the, the part that parents play in, in forming those kind of amazing creatives. It also covers family relationships, the, the challenges of marriages, um, and it's quite an honest look at that. And also, I suppose, the way that young creatives don't always fit in at school, uh, and they kind of have their own imagination and their own world. And, and how he got from that young, uh, slightly awkward but brilliant kid to being the, the legend that he is today. Certainly is. There are some beautiful moments in this film, touching on family relationships, as Dom says there. Uh, that's why it's called The Fable Muns, and not Sammy Fableman. And I think that is beautiful to watch. And I urge you, go watch this. This is Spielberg at his best. The camera work he uses, his choice of lenses, his choice of actors, the team around him. I mean, it's mainly his usual collaborators, except for one person yeah. this time. In fact, that's one of the things that we discuss in the episode, is putting together most of his um, most trusted sources to do such a personal story. And how that's important for you as filmmakers to do exactly that. Right. Um, be Steven Spielberg. Basically. Yeah, go yeah. be yeah. Steven Spielberg, right? But yeah. why not? Yeah, or be, not? Or be like Christy. Produced for someone like Stephen Spillock. Thank you so much for listening. Hey, there is so much bonus content on our Patreon page. It is a way you can support us if you want to do that. If you just want to give us a shout out, do it on Twitter, do it on Instagram and just say how much you like this podcast. Honestly, it really makes a difference. If you really want to be kind, go onto Apple iTunes and give us a nice five-star review. I mean, it really does help us get up the charts. And then more people hear about this podcast and it helps us grow and get even more amazing guests. Maybe even Steven Spielberg himself next time. We're going to try. We always will. I hope you've had a great start to January. I hope that you've gone out there and done something to make your film so far, whether it's tweaking that script, speaking to that producer, finding that director, finding locations, uh, money, whatever it is. Or maybe it's just sitting in a cinema, drinking some fresh mint tea. Served by Ross. Uh, what more can you get than that? How is it, by the way? It's good. I, I mean, I think the... The fine china with the, um, I mean, there's a, there's a sort of a four-legged cactus with a, a funny face on. Uh, but it does make a difference. It does make a difference. I can taste the difference. Um, there is a little bit of feedback during this episode. We happen to have jumped in a room that the Empire podcast had just vacated, leaving their wonderful mic stands and mics. So we jumped on and used theirs rather than setting up ours. 
and I'm not blaming them in any way, shape or form, but there is feedback. You can hear little annoying noises uh, throughout this that sounds like a bit like a phone. Apologies for that, but it was our equipment. That's all I'm saying. Um, but thank you so much for letting us use it. Um, but there is some feedback. So, hey, who is to blame here? Empire or the Filmmakers Podcast? I'd say the Filmmakers Podcast. So here it is. This is myself and Dom Lenoir chatting with the producer, Christy Makosko Krieger. Enjoy. No, you enjoy. Okay, I will. Hi. Hello. Oh, yeah. Excellent. Thanks, Christy. Nice to meet you. Pleasure to meet you. Shall we start off with the uh, the fantastic film, uh, The Fablemans, and how how that script and that project comes together? I mean, did you collaborate with Stephen originally with the idea? How did it sort of begin for you? Um. So I've worked with Stephen since 1997. Wow. Which is quite a while and and I've heard these stories from Stephen for years just mm. little pieces little vignettes little pieces of the fableman's what is now the fableman story mm. little pieces of his life over 26 years that I've worked with him but Tony Kushner sat on the set of Munich with Stephen and you know in between setups you as one does you sit down and you you know talk about life and Stephen told one story to Tony and Tony said you really got to make a movie about this someday. And Stephen was like, yeah, yeah, maybe I will someday, whatever. And, <laughs> and, and then, you know, over the years, and Tony has been collaborating with us for a very long time, you know, Lincoln, more mm. stories coming out sitting on set. Um, West Side Story, it got really, you know, we've got to do something about this. There really is a movie here. So Stephen and Tony sat down and just started, you know, meeting with each other. And Tony interviewed Stephen and Tony, you know, dove deep into uh, what became the Fableman story. And they just sort of wrote out a giant treatment. Um, And they had it. And Stephen was ready to make the movie. But at this point, we were wasn't really ready to make it. We got into the pandemic mm-hmm. and it's 2020 and Stephen's father passed away in August of 2020. And at that point, Stephen thought, okay, A, we're in a giant pandemic and people could all die. And what is the last story that I want to tell? If I can only tell one more story, it, it probably oh, should mm. be my family's story that I've been talking about for so long. And that, mm. and that's important. And, and two, now my parents are gone and I am going to try to make sense of what happened in my life. And so he and Tony, you know, sat down in October, wrote it on zoom and also, there was not much going on during the pandemic. There was not a lot for Stephen to do. So they wrote it on Zoom in eight weeks wow. and got their first draft ready. Um, I, I can't remember how many pages it was. It was, it was not short. Um, <laughs> but their their first draft uh, was in December of 2020, and we started shooting the movie in July wow. of 21. Do, during that prep process, what is your involvement? Are you hearing stories about when they're writing it or are you just kind of go I'm hearing stories every day stories. every day yeah. Stephen's like we had a great session today mm-hmm. you know we got we're kind of through act one we're, we're getting there it's like great 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 I was the cheerleader on the side just kind of you know yeah. saying okay great you know he, he, he would tell me little bits and pieces here and there but um you know I wanted to read the whole thing um after they had completed the first draft so so while I was part of the process I was not in their sessions, it was just the two of them sitting down writing it, like 
you know, again on Zoom, they would have been in a room together. Mm -hmm. Um, but they did it on Zoom and I, um, sat by and sort of knew we would be making the film Mm -hmm. in 2021. And so I was on the side, you know, making sure that, you know, our DP, our production designer, that everybody was available and ready to go when we were going to be ready. And, And once it was ready, what was the process in terms of maybe trimming it down and choosing? I mean, was it was it those two sort of collaborating and saying, because it must be quite difficult when it's his life story to choose which bits uh, objectively, you know, to put into the movie and which bits to trim. Mm-hmm. Um, were you focused more on the production or did you sort of at that point have any any kind of thoughts on the length and, and what to keep in? You know, when you have a Pulitzer Prize winner and you have a director who's made, you know, 34 yeah. films, you kind of leave it to the yeah, experts sure. to get the story right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was, you know, doing the business of making the film yeah. so that we could be ready to go when it was time to go. Okay. And and how does how does that start? Like for, for you, like once I mean, are there are there crew in place that, that Stephen always uses? Are there some that you always use? How does that kind of crewing process work between the two of you? Um there's crew that we always like to use and and this one it was like it's such a personal story. Go with the collaborators that you've been working with for the longest amount of time so that there's a shorthand that you can, that you, that's already been developed so that you don't have to orient somebody to who you are as a human. And so most of the collaborators that we worked with on this film were people that knew Stephen's parents as well because they've worked with him over the years. You know, you have Rick Carter, who's been with Stephen for decades and decades as our production designer. And um, he started working, you know, I think on um, amazing stories back in the day with Stephen. So he has a shorthand with Stephen. We have Michael Kahn, who is our editor, who's worked with Stephen on, you know, for over 40 years. And he knew Stephen's parents and Stephen's family. And so he was he was on board. Janusz Kaminski, our DP, on yeah. everything since Schindler's List. Unbelievable. I mean, he's an incredible, incredible collaborator. He, you know, was going to do this project. John Williams, you know, yeah. you know, you're not can't, can't do it without John. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you got to do it with John Williams. So you know, they have a 50 year collaboration. So we just we That's put crazy, together man. all of the people that have worked with him for so many years. I mean, I feel like I'm the one at 26 years who's been working with him the shortest amount of time. Mm-hmm. And then we'll, there's one more person that we brought on, uh, Mark Bridges, who he we had he not knew, worked with before. He, he yes. was our only. Yeah. Our only newbie, if you will, and he um, he's such an amazing, amazing costume designer. And he, you know, he did Phantom Thread and, and mm. we loved him. And he's done a lot of all – I think he's done all of Paul Thomas Anderson's films. He he just sort of folded into our family beautiful. seamlessly and beautifully. And, and the good news for all of them is that we had so much reference material. Mm-hmm. We had Stephen's whole life. Yeah, you got research just ready. Totally, all his old films as well. You know, all his films, his sisters, his, yeah, all the history. His, yeah, yeah, the um, pictures. Yeah, I mean, amazing mm. photographs, amazing artifacts. He just he has wow. everything. Wow, he and, has and it at all. that moment, because I mean, going back a few years with Lincoln, I heard, I read that it was tougher to get it made because. Studio systems were changing. It was harder to get money for certain films. Was it the same here with Fablemans? Because it is someone's life story. I know it's Spielberg, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. it was always a slam dunk. Yeah, was it always a slam dunk? You know, because you were saying, look, the script was coming. They were writing it over lockdown, and we were shooting. Was that an easy process to 
to go, this is what we're doing and we are getting it made? Um, it's never an easy process to get the film made. But this film was going to be an Amblin Mm. Partners film mm. and Amblin Partners is Amblin of course, because of yeah. Steven Spielberg. Yeah, so yeah. I don't know how they could have said or that. would have said no to that. <laughs> <laughs> like they kind of had to you're say fired. yes. <laughs> I mean, the actual company exists because of Steven. Yeah. So I think yes. that I think that that certainly helps. It was <laughs> yes, it was yeah. definitely going to happen. Right. Okay. So there's no worry in your mind. So at that point, then, as Dom says, you're getting your crew together, you're getting everyone moving. What is your process as the producer? Are you starting to go, right, let's look at locations. Let's look at where we can shoot this. Where's the best place to get this moving as a film and the the best way to do this for the most economical way as well? Yeah, you know, the pandemic presented some interesting Mm. uh, dilemmas for us. So I think if we weren't making the film during the pandemic, we might have been traveling to different locations. We might have made the film in New Jersey for mm. the beginning of his life and then gone to Arizona for the middle mm. years of his life and then gone to uh, Northern California to finish up his high school. Um, we I might have noticed that it wasn't. I, I, I just assumed it was shot in all those places. Oh, okay, great. Well, then we've <laughs> I, done I, our I job. Didn't well, even, oh, didn't even remotely. Like, okay, guys, I was like, wow, this is okay, a nice Okay, film. so get this. Yeah. We were like, Okay, we can't move a company around in a pandemic, mm. and we want to do it as economically, you know, mm. uh, fiscally responsible as we could. And so we thought, okay, let's look in Los Angeles and see if we can do the whole thing in Los Angeles. And so we did. Are there any situations <laughs> Wait, working? Wow, I'm just going to say, yeah, Okay. Are there any other any situations where you're working with someone like Stephen that's that's quite self sufficient? He's he's done this for so long, um, and you you sort of have to push back maybe on the budget side or the scope mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. things because mm-hmm. he obviously has these amazing huge grand ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, are, how do you sort of work in in that kind of capacity, um, in, especially for something like this? Right. Well, the interesting thing about Stephen is he's not just a director; he's a producer. Yeah. And so he actually wants to be as fiscally responsible as possible. And so he was constantly pushing me to bring the budget down because he didn't want it to be seen as a vanity project that was, Mm. you know, for millions and millions of dollars in excess of what it should have been made for. So he was constantly like, I'm not making it for that price. You got to You got to bring it in for less. And so he challenged me. I mean, he is, he is a great, great producer. And I think it's probably because in his early years of directing, he had, you know, some Mm. notorious, uh, over budget, over scheduled films. And I think that he has, um, run himself through the paces and really decided that he is going to be, um, a filmmaker who, who brings the movie in on budget and on schedule. I, th- I think it's such an uh, unbelievably important thing. I mean, we, not, not even remotely comparing ourselves to Steve, <laughs> Steve Spielberg. Oh, please do, please do. We started our careers like, you know, independent, doing everything, like having to learn mm-hmm. how to produce because we didn't have a producer. Mm-hmm. And it's such an important skill to not be a vain director. Um, mm-hmm. and, and even at the highest levels, and it, it's refreshing mm-hmm. to to hear about um, you know that kind of re- level of responsibility. Yeah, and it must make your job so infinitely easy, uh, easier. Sorry. Yeah, it it actually is. I mean, they say, what do they say? Necessity is the mother of invention. Like you, you've mm-hmm. got to figure out how to do it um, 
if it's too much money, you've just got to figure out another way. And sometimes mm. figuring it out another way is a better way yeah. to mm. get it done. Being forced into yeah. the, the problem yeah. solving. And yes. I think it probably helped that you couldn't go to all those different locations like shooting yeah. or where you wanted to shoot originally because that therefore you've got to force yourself to think outside the box, mm-hmm. which might have helped Stephen as well rather than going, it has to be in the right place, the look, the feel. You've, well, you've got to recreate that now. Yes. And that gives you the freedom to go, well, it doesn't have to be perfect. It has to be as close to my memory of that correct which must have helped immensely as well which brings the budget down which is vital yes when filmmaking it definitely it definitely went that way yes good i think one of the lovely things about the film is that especially because we are a filmmaking podcast Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. filmmakers to kind of see because i think a lot of us filmmakers are we start off kind of quite introverted and we we have these like weird passions and we love movies so much uh, above everything else and then mm-hmm. you know we kind of have these childhoods that are quite sort of disjointed from other people who are going mm-hmm. through the, the regular sort of high school mm-hmm. and to see someone like Stephen's career sort of progress like that mm. this was a really nice film like a sort of a validating film I think for us us filmmakers um, I mean what was it like reading the script for the first time for you um, it was interesting I was a tiny bit nervous that it was going to be really just about Steven Spielberg. So I opened it up going, okay, this is going to be a story about his life. And I read the script and I got through and I got to the very end and I closed this book, uh, the close the script because I actually read scripts, not on my iPad. I actually, I like a hard copy. I like to feel it and touch it, which is sadly Mm -hmm. kind of a paper waster. And I'm sorry, I apologize. I do recycle at the end. Okay. We'll let you off. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. Okay, good. Um, But I closed it and I was like, you know what? This is a movie about everyone's family. I feel my family, my parents got divorced when yeah. I was in high school and, and I felt yeah. that, you know, and, and, um, it, it's just, there's something for everybody in this film. So I thought, you know what? Actually, this movie is kind of universal in yeah. a way. Everybody can see a piece of themselves in it. Yes. Definitely. The fact that it's called The Fablemans. Mm-hmm. It's not called Sammy Fableman. Correct. It's The Fablemans. And that's mm-hmm. really interesting because it is about Stephen's life, but it's not just that. It's, it's about Stephen's It's a complicated family. family. Yeah. It's yeah. a family drama. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how much they influence us. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I think creatives have so much to thank for their parents. Gosh, yes. Um, like informing their mm-hmm. imagination, mm-hmm. what kind of taste they have and everything. Mm-hmm. And even though that uh, in the film, Sammy's, you know, this doesn't give anything away, the father figure is sort of pushing him in a way from filmmaking, mm-hmm. in a small way. Yeah. He's sort of saying, hey, it's a hobby. Whereas his mum's going, no, live your hobby, because hobby, mm-hmm. she didn't necessarily get to do that as Correct. a dancer slash pianist. And that's beautiful. Um, it's, it's also it's also an incentive, I think, when you've got a father that doesn't approve. <laughs> 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 try harder. Right, I must do it. <laughs> yeah. But his films are amazing as well. These short films that were made, mm-hmm. whether Stevens were as good as that, and I've only seen yeah. some, but Sammy Fableman's movies are incredible. They really were great. Really great. <laughs> <laughs> like, They're going to win awards. Yeah. Sammy's going to have a career uh-huh. um, in terms of issues on set and it doesn't just have to be the fablemans but how do you overcome major problems as a producer when things do go drastically wrong what do you do to get yourself out of these situations are there any you can remember you know what you just march yourself through it's just whatever comes up you just handle it you you give yourself over to the problem um I love solving problems. Like, mm. I, I don't want there to be problems on a movie set. Course, you know, nobody yeah. wants problems. Yeah, give but, me a problem. <laughs> but I actually am really good at it. And I and I feel like my job, having worked for Stephen for so many years, is like, you give me a house of cards and I build it and somebody knocks it down. And mm. then I'm like, okay, let's build it again. Like, mm. I, 
I feel like I'm ready to just, you know, tackle any problem as it comes up. I'm trying to think. Um, there were a couple things that happened during the making of the Fablemans. You know, 3 o'clock in the morning, get a phone call that the caterer, one of the uh, caterers has COVID. Yeah. And it's knocked out because everybody's close contact. It's knocked out the catering crew. And so you don't have caterers to for breakfast no at 6 a.m. Yeah. So, you know, you'd like get egg McMuffins and breakfast burritos <laughs> for the – you know, you just yeah. go to the store and you get what you need to get. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you find a new catering crew by lunch and you just keep going. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't find those things – it's critical problematic. thinking, isn't it? Yeah, it's just yeah, it's just I it, it's it's a challenge to rise to. We we also had another uh we had an issue where we were shooting the kids films. They were shooting their the films in the desert. Mm-hmm. Um and we were up on a giant hill and down below the hill was a freeway. Ah. And somebody was driving on the freeway and they went off the side of the road and their car caught on fire <sighs> and it closed the freeway. Wow. And that was the only way we could get down from the mountain to get home at uh, night. Mm-hmm. And so we all stood up at the top of the mountain and we were like, okay, how are we going to get down? And we, we basically marched down the hill. Wow. Amazing. All of us. So, Almost uh, all the crew. Some people stood up at the top, but we, we mainly just marched down the hill and got down it. And, and you know, it took us hours. Uh, and But problem solved. But you had a nice but hike. done. Yes, <laughs> nice hike. And then did you, because of that, did you then go, okay, tomorrow we'll have a, maybe an easier day. Do you then go, should we look at the schedules? Do we move things around or... No. Yeah, you're, al- yeah, well, you're, you're always looking at it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're all healthy now. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We were able to get done in time and everybody was able to get yeah. off the mountain that we, that our turnaround worked. And so we didn't have awesome. to push anything. But we would have. I mean, you're all constantly looking and juggling Juggling. things all the time. And, you know, when COVID really, you Mm. think about COVID when you wake up in the morning and you think about COVID before you go to bed and, and, you know, it really was a pervasive uh, impediment in our making of the film. But, but, you know, we, we got through it as many films did during the pandemic. I guess we're still in the pandemic. I'm yeah, not exactly yeah. sure. Well, we've just been tested. Yeah. Uh, oh, there you go. We are. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so technically we yeah. are. Yes. So before we dive any further, let's describe what the film is, The Fablemans, and then we can play the trailer. Coming of age story about young Steven Spielberg growing up, what his family influenced him in his creative journey, and getting to where he is today. Movies are dreams. That you never forget. Sammy? change how everything looks it's hard to find our house ours is the dark house with no lights in this family it's the scientists versus the artists sammy's on my team takes after me what he does it's playful or imaginative you could afford to be a little encouraging she should have been a concert piano player what she got in her heart is what you got you can't just love something you also have to take care of it 
It's more important than your hobby. Can you stop calling it a hobby? Mom got a monkey. Why'd you get a monkey? Because I needed a laugh. And you always have to be the center of attention. Stop shouting at her! That has been nothing but disrespect from you! I'm your mother! Family, art, it'll tear you in two. You stop making movies, it'll break your mother's heart. I don't know what to do anymore. You do what your heart says you have to. What was your favorite part? So, so just sort of going back to how you started as a producer uh-huh. and also how you met Stephen, how did that mm-hmm. kind of, were you always into films? Um, how did your upbringing kind of inform that? And how did you get to working with Stephen for the first time? Um, no, it's interesting. Um, I don't think a lot of people are going to love this story, but I was not very into film growing up my entire life. So okay. I feel like I got the job that many people would would want to have but so so this is how i started working for him i i worked at amblin entertainment which was steven's mm-hmm. production company uh in 94 right after schindler's list and jurassic park had come out decent time to be there yeah it was yep yep pretty good <laughs> yep. pretty good i worked in the publicity department ah, okay. and then i left and worked at the Shoah Foundation, which was Stevens' foundation that takes testimonies of Holocaust survivors. Wow, and I was the publicist funny. there for two and a half years. Right. So I worked, you know, adjacent, Stephen adjacent, mm. um, for those two and a half years. And I and I had uh, a lot of dealings with him. And you know, it made me realize what an amazing human being Stephen is to start a foundation that takes testimonies of Holocaust survivors mm-hmm. after he made Schindler's List. And so I really thought he was a mensch and i knew he was a great filmmaker but i wasn't as interested in that piece of it and then i started working for him they approached me and said would you come work for him and i said oh no no thank you i'm i don't want to do that uh, uh, <laughs> I did. Down yeah I, yeah i was like oh no thanks um i'm a publicist and and um yeah. So I, I turned it down. Yeah, I didn't mean to play hard to get. That's what's so interesting. Yeah. Like I didn't know that I was playing hard to get. I was mm. just like, no, actually. And they didn't say you have the job. They said, will you come meet for the job? And I was like, no, thank you. Mm. And so that happened like three times. Wow. And then finally I was like, okay, wait a minute. This first, there's a reason this is happening. There's a reason that he wants me to work for him or, mm. or is interested in me working for him. And so in my mind, to make it work for me, I was like, okay, if I interview for this job and get this job, I'll do it for two to four years and then I'll go back to being a publicist and I'll, I'll learn filmmaking, the, you know, the whole enchilada, the entire picture of filmmaking and I'll be better at the one thing I want to do, right? Yes. If I can learn everything, yeah. I'll be better at that one mm-hmm. thing. And I thought, oh, okay, I'll do this for two to four years and then I'll go back into my publicity life. And here we are. And <laughs> here we are. Truthfully, I mean, and here we are. Wow. I mean, that, that, what was that first moment like, you know, when you're suddenly his, you know, you're his assistant. And and this is quite an incredible story for a lot of our listeners as well, that, you know, from there, you went on to be an Oscar-nominated producer. 
right? That's yeah. a yeah. huge inspirational story for mm. anyone out there mm-hmm. listening. Mm-hmm. Whether a filmmaker or not, you want to do something in this industry. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. Like you said, you wanted to move away. What was the moment you, you thought, oh, in two, four years, I'll go back to public relations PR? Uh-huh. What was it that made you stay? What did you like about producing that was interesting to you to make you go, hey, I'm going to do this? Right. Um in the beginning, what was so interesting and exciting to me is that every day is a little different. Mm. Every day you come to work and you put on whatever hat Stephen is wearing in that day. Like if today he's, you know, uh, he's Director a- Barry. Correct. <laughs> or Director Cap. Yeah. 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 Cap yeah. Today. No, it's like, you know, it, it, it really is that. Yeah. Um, he, he does different things all the time and you just like, Throw on the hat he's wearing and you, and you do what he's doing. It could be something for his children. It could be something for his wife. It could be for, you know, John Williams that day. It's always different and it was never boring. So that was number one. So Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, this isn't boring. I really do enjoy this. And then sitting on a movie set every day for me was incredibly exhilarating. And there are people that can be on movie sets and people that can't be on movie sets, and we know the difference between mm-hmm. them. And I'm just... Or shouldn't be on movie sets. Yeah, they, <laughs> yes, there are many people that shouldn't be on movie sets. And they actually weed themselves out pretty quickly, yeah, they I do. think. I, I think agree. it's a yeah. self-selecting business. It just, it ends it just up working is. out. So I love being on a film set. That's that's where I feel most alive. And so I was like, huh, this is interesting. And, and I would say I worked harder than anyone. I was happy to do anything. It didn't ever matter to me. Um, I wasn't looking for credit. I wasn't looking to move up. I was just interested in doing a really great job. And when you do a really great job, people give you more and more yeah. responsibility. And um, I think that I had wonderful mentors in Steven Spielberg, in Kathleen Kennedy. Um, they taught me it how to produce and they taught me um, how to problem solve how to uh, get through my day in a great way that made me feel like I was contributing to the process Mm -hmm. in a real way. And then I just, you know, over time, got more and more responsibility, took on more and more things. And I don't want to say I became indispensable because everybody's dispensable. Um, Except for I think Steven Spielberg. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And 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 it just it was a natural progression. It just like I was able to move into producing um, rather easily because I was just taking on more and more responsibility as time went on. Would you say it's it's a lot down to the relationships you build and how you deal with people? Because I I think that's such an important thing that you know I've learned especially is it's like it's how you treat people whether they want to work with you or Mm -hmm. on you know repeated projects. Mm -hmm. um, How people from the the sort of the, the you know the, the runners all the way up uh, actually feel when they're on set is mm-hmm. that a big thing for you I mean it sounds like that's kind of how your relationship with Steven sort of you know yeah, flourished I, really yeah I treat everybody the same um, I also I think Stephen probably enjoyed the fact that I didn't bow at his feet treat him yeah. like a god you know trip over Humanized yeah him. he was yeah. yeah he was just another human that I worked with. He was exactly the same as, you know, the receptionist that I walk by as I walk into work in the morning and the security guard. He's exactly the same as all of us. We are all people trying to get through our day. Hey guys and gals, Giles here jumping in to tell you about Q Scripts. Well, they're a script analysis service who provide 
detailed, constructive and professional reports on shorts, features and TV scripts. They work with both emerging talent aiming for a break in the industry as well as established writers looking to take their scripts and ideas to the next level. They have experienced readers with a track record at honing scripts into the best and most appealing version for production companies and other partners. And because you listen to the Filmmakers Podcast, you get three months membership for free for a limited time. So get there now. QScripts.com. Link is in the show notes. Easy. <laughs> QScripts.com. Check them out. In terms of jumping into a project and seeing it, maybe there's because you're on the board of directors at Amblin. Yes, well. I am. Yes, yes I am. Thank you. Please. So well, congratulations. <laughs> I'm glad you know that. <laughs> and with that, what do you look for when things come across the desk? Because you must mm. get sent stuff all the time. And it must be that whole process of, well, that, what's Stephen doing? What's the team doing? But mm. when you get sent stuff outside that or something comes across your desk, like Bradley Cooper's, you mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. Maestro, or mm-hmm. I think it's Bernstein now the title. I don't know which title. I think it will end up being called Maestro in the end. Okay. Yeah. Um, and it's a movie about a marriage. Hmm. Right, rather than... Mm-hmm. Rather than just a straight-up biopic. Yes. yes. Okay. I like yes. that. I think so, you guys will like it. I can't wait. So when things like that come across your desk, what is it that you go, okay, we want to do that, as opposed to another project? Is the, is it the team? Is it everything? Maybe you could dive into that a little bit. Um, you know, I think sometimes it's a package um, of, you know, actors that come with a script, that whatever. But I we don't really do that. We're just looking for good stories. It's a, It's just about a story that moves you and that you think is something that an audience would like to see. I think it's really as simple as that. It's a it's a really good story. Whether it's a historical drama, whether it's a comedy, whether it's a whether it's um uh based on a novel that you've read, uh you know, it's just about it being a good story that people can relate to. Amazing. One last bit of uh, <laughs> advice that you might be able to give upcoming producers or filmmakers or yourself when you were starting out and wanting to get a break. I think it's just work harder and smarter. Perfect. And bring it back to the Fablemans. Yes. Uh, what was your favorite day on set? Because you like to be on set and so do I. I love uh-huh. it. It's the oh best feeling in yeah. the world. Yes. Um, what was your favorite moments? Can you remember any? That, so, oh, there's probably loads. Yeah, there were so many. Um you know what? There's there's a couple different ones that come to mind. One of them is the young kids that were in the film and their joy and their happiness to be there. And, and they felt like they were part of our family. Like uh, the young Sammy, Mateo, you know, he really he loved Michelle Williams. And, and it, it was I mean, who very... Yeah. <laughs> that's true. Who doesn't? Yeah, yeah. Um, it was very sweet to watch him. But all the little kids, their, their joy and their laughter was infectious. Yeah. And again, we were making the movie in a pandemic. So like to hear their joy... Mm-hmm under a mask was yeah. <laughs> was kind of amazing you yeah. can't see when you're in a pandemic so you mm. get to hear and so that was incredible to watch those kids um i think that um just all of us coming together to do something that's so special for steven mm. and to really you know all of us in our own way just wanted to make him proud mm. yeah amazing. absolutely uh this is been fantastic christy thank you so yeah. much you're for your so time. welcome this is an absolute pleasure for us thank real you. joy thank you anytime can talk cool. anytime oh. yes schedule next week yeah, <laughs> well there we have it i hope you enjoyed that we enjoyed episode. it we really enjoyed chatting to christy she was fantastic 
we've had two great Christies. Um, yes. At, at the Corinthian, actually. Both at the Corinthian Hotel. Yeah, both at the Corinthian Hotel. Um, which is not where we are now. No. Um, to make we, things confusing. Yeah, to make things really confusing. But it's the same PR agency. So which is? That's uh, Premier Comps. Because we, we've we just done an interview with uh, Samuel D. Hunter, the screenwriter of The Whale, the yeah. Brendan Fraser hyped about mm. drama uh, directed by Darren Aronofsky. And we just chatted to him in the Soho Hotel. So we've come downstairs to record the intro for... Um, Christy McCosco-Krieger. So I hope you enjoyed that episode. I really do. I, I really enjoyed chatting to her. I thought she was just a fantastic woman. Yeah, yeah. Down to earth, mm. just a decent, problem-solving human being. Um, mm. You know, the values, relationships, um, and, and the people that she works with, that, that, that definitely came across. Yeah. I think, what for me, what was interesting it was about working your way up. What yeah. She, what she talked about that, and the fact that she didn't necessarily want to be a filmmaker, which I think put her on a different don't care too much, I guess. Yeah, because it, it put on a different standing point with Steven and with the team. And obviously, Steven Spielberg, of course you're going to be in awe of him. But at the same time, she she wasn't there to go, well, I want to be a filmmaker. I want to get a lot out of you. She was there to go, okay, well, let me see what this is like. Let me do some promotion, PR, and assist Steven. And I suppose that's it. He, you, you get to that level. You want someone that's not looking at you as a god or an icon. You want someone that's talking to you like a human being. Which is like you are to me now. Yeah. Yeah. Mostly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Not as a god. Which <laughs> now he's got it. <laughs> it. But I just felt like there was a lesson that you don't necessarily need to go and go, Oh my god, give me this. I want to learn so much from you. It is a case of, okay, well I'm I like doing this. Mm. And the fact that Stephen trusted her to to move from, you know, assisting him all the way up to literally being the only producer on mm. His films. Yeah. I mean, that's huge trust. It's ludicrous, it, yeah. it says how good she is, not only yeah. as a person, but as a producer. Yeah. Because, all right, it's Stephen, you've got the amazing people around you, but you've still got to make it work. Mm. You've still got to make sure it's moving like clockwork and everything is there on time and the team are working in unison. And I suppose it's also like building a reputation. I mean, she, she worked in PR for a long time. She obviously made good waves there. Mm-hmm. She worked in, in assistance with his Holocaust uh, company as well, mm-hmm. um, you know, to which, which listened to testimonials. I mean, I think all of those things are character, you know, good character, basically. And I'm sure that was registering on his radar. Like, this is someone that's a decent person to work with. It must be amazing to work with Stephen. I mean, it would just be a absolute joy imagine being in a room right and you're there being creative yeah with Stephen going yeah, yeah. Oh, how about this and he's listening to your ideas yeah. <laughs> well maybe he's not yeah, he's just yeah, looking yeah. at you with a vacant great look. idea Dom <laughs> <laughs> Dom you nailed that one. <laughs> oh god how do we get rid of it <laughs> there it is I think it was also interesting that, that him as a producer as well I mean, I think if you can produce and you're a director, you should, because there's nothing worse than an entitled director that sort of strolls along and demands things and doesn't know how to do it under in a sort of cost-effective way mm-hmm. and just creates problems for everyone. Yes. Uh, so don't be that guy. Be like Steven Spielberg. Yeah. And Steven did do that. He learned from, from making films himself with his hands, with his own money, the little he had. And he, he learned all the tricks of the trade. And you'll see it in The Fablemans. If you haven't seen the film yet, really do. It is out this Friday. Go watch it. Uh, 27th of... Something. 27th of January. Go mm. watch it. Oh, honestly, you lot listening to this now, these are the kind of films you should be watching to help you as filmmakers as well. It's yeah. just delightful. And your wonderful point about not being too demanding, you know, as a director, is you, you can learn that 
by being a producer because you see the stuff that you don't often see as a director it gets hidden from you mm. but if you've done it as well you've done all those bits and pieces you go ah okay i understand why we can't have that uh steady cam shop or the crane shot or why we can't have that location or why we can't have certain actor it, you you go i get it now it's true and it is very important so if there's any directors out there listen go help someone produce their film you will learn so much as a director absolutely well this has been a delight it has yeah it's been absolutely amazing. Not just having tea with you in this Soho screen. That was room. a highlight, though. It was a very much highlight, yeah. And it wasn't just green tea. It was fresh mint tea. Fresh mint tea. Uh, so tea give, of champions. Yeah, and given to us as well by the PR company. So yeah. thanks, Premier Comps. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> so there we have it. So you can go out there. And make your film. You can go out there and be a producer. You can work for someone like Steven Spielberg. You can order fresh mint tea. <laughs> Whatever you want in this world, you can get it. I mean, yeah, that's that's asking a lot. Not the fresh mint tea. I mean, it's not cheap. It's for... <laughs> <laughs> but you are, obviously. <laughs> Absolutely. 100%. Uh, and if you're lucky enough to rise up and do well, what is it? Send the elevator back down. Unless you're on the side elevator in the Soho Hotel, which doesn't actually go anywhere except an emergency exit. In which case, go back up the elevator, walk around the building, and then go down the middle elevator to get where you need to go. <laughs> so there you go. Full of tips okay. for all you. Those, all those years of the elevator gag. Finally, we've got some originality. Originality? Originality. There we go. Yeah, amazing. So, so forget all the Spielberg stuff. Think about that. Yes. And coming up for you, wonderful listeners... On this very podcast, as we've mentioned, is Samuel D. Hunter, the screenwriter of The Whale. Well, I never. We had a whale of a time. <laughs> Do you think he got here by walking or car? Uh, I don't know. No, orca. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would suck. <laughs> um, we also have uh, Todd Field. Mm. Director, do we <laughs> of Tar? I know I mean, we've seen this for a few weeks. Theoretically, have done. Theoretically, yeah. we have him. We've both been to screenings yeah. of the film. We've been told Todd is turning up, and twice he has field our questions. That's very good. Uh, so let's hope he does and yeah. uh, avoid us anymore. And we do get Todd Field. We also have some other amazing guests coming up for you, including. Eddie Sternberg, director of I Used to Be Famous fame. Uh, we have Marley Elfman, Darren Smith, Cos Greenop, Ben Caron, director of Sharper and The Crown, and many, many more. So thank you for listening today and the upcoming episodes as well. So there we go. Uh, we will see you next Tuesday, as always. On the Filmmakers Podcast. Don't be a mofo. Get a ramekin of a script <laughs> and go and make your films. See you next Tuesday. We hope you liked today's episode. If you want to hear more, visit our Patreon for bonus clips and exclusive content.